The message that I have is that every day there are gifts for us. And that even if you're struggling today, look, take a look around you and look at the small things that you can appreciate, whether it's a hot cup of coffee or it's a hug from your child or grandchild, or it's uh, a, a flower that you find in the garden that's come up after all the snow has gone. All those small things that are in our lives are there to help us make a difference and to bring us hope, even if we're struggling right now, there will be a better day to come. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, 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 it's that time again for us to get all fired up, get motivated, inspired, get some inspiration and get some encouragement and know there's hope for us to be able to persevere through life have a good one no matter what's thrown our way okay yeah 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 i know there's some things more severe than others but you know you can still have a good life you know once we accept what's going on and move forward in life hey today our guest today our guest she teach tags herself as the comeback queen now she says not because she's special or anything but because she has come back from everything life has thrown at her she says she rebuilt her credit rekindled spiritual life raised successful independent children, uh, reestablished a career. She has reclaimed love again and again and again and again. Well, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's only once in there. Okay. And so she has tagged herself as the comeback queen. The key, she says, the key to recovery is resiliency. The ability not to only survive, but to thrive when we're faced with change, especially uncontrolled expected change. All right, welcome to the show, the Comeback Queen, Marcia Friedman. Thank you, thank you, thank you, James. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation with you today. This is awesome that uh, I've never had a queen on here yet, and so this is cool. I forgot to put my tiara on. I have one. Oh, yeah, there you go. Place it on there. Hang and on. Why, where are we going? And so, uh, sure, uh, while we're talking, I'll put it on. I've got it right here. I forgot to put it on before. Here we go. There, there you go. <laughs> Love it. There you go. Yeah, if you're the comeback to, queen, even with a tiara. It was, <laughs> I was going to say, if you're going to tag yourself the uh, comeback queen, you've got to have that tiara going, yes. Yes. So <laughs> you got to have something to let everybody know it. So, all right. I uh, appreciate you being here. We know how time's valuable, and I appreciate sharing your time with all of us and listeners. And uh, we're going to uh, learn from you and get some knowledge, some education, some hope, some you know, inspiration for us to be able to handle something that's coming our way later on in life and get through it easy and continue living a good life. So I'm going to let you, I'm just providing a platform at the moment and Marcia, I'm going to let you jump in wherever you see fit. Well, I want to start uh, with a little background about me. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a child of the 60s. Uh, I was raised at a time when we were watching uh, Donna Reed and My Three Sons and Walt Disney and Leave It to Beaver. And 
I grew up in a household in the time when it was a, the American dream was two parents and two and a half kids. And there was a silver lining and an answer to every problem that happened. And it's I got to stop there for a second here. Uh, don't lose your train of thought, but you just remind me when um, leave it to Beaver. You know, I, I watch that every morning still now. Okay. And my three sons. And then I'm sure you're also talking about Andy Griffith and Opie and all them. And <laughs> I remember Andy talking to Opie one time and talking about, you just said two and a half kids. And then Opie go, how can you not stare at a half a kid? Like that. And so in one of the episodes, all right, go ahead. So uh, my life was similar to that. Uh, I was raised in a two parent household. My dad worked, my mom stayed home. Instead of two and a half kids, we had four kids in the family. And as a child, I assumed that I would grow up, I would get married and I would find my Prince Charming and get married and have my own family and everything would be wonderful. And life doesn't always work out that way. Life is really not fairy tales. And although you can't have a fairy tale existence and you can work towards that, that's not really how it works in life. And for me, instead, I uh, got married in my mid-20s and um, had a a family, had two young children, and my ex-husband and I, he invested in some real estate properties, ended up taking us through bankruptcy because of his investments. We both worked, you know, I worked full-time as well. And it got to the point that after we went through the bankruptcy, we needed to end the marriage. And so with my children being three and seven, I got divorced and I was a single parent for the next uh, 10 years. So already my silver lining wasn't there. That dream didn't didn't come through. And as my life progressed, uh, there were many other things uh, that took the turn for the worst. So besides being uh, divorced, uh, bankruptcy, single parent, uh, I had um, a history of migraines, uh, that became very debilitating in my mid-40s. Uh, I had two siblings who were bipolar, so there was mental illness in my family. And I, you know, there are a number of different episodes that, that took place. Uh, the most difficult one for me was when my uh, second husband, because I did remarry, uh, when my second husband died suddenly of a massive heart attack. And uh, we had been married almost 14 years and we had gone out to dinner with some friends and we had gone to a show afterwards. And it was at the end of the concert we were at where he had stopped in the restroom and didn't come back out. Mm. And uh, shortly after that, I was offered early retirement from the company that I'd worked for for almost 33 years. So for me, that was a point in my life even though I'd survived all those other things that I had gone through, you know, bankruptcy, being a single parent for 10 years, the divorce, all of those things were challenges to me. But it wasn't until I lost my second husband that I really felt like two legs of my stool had been pushed out from underneath me. And on top of losing my second husband, 10 months to the day before I lost my second husband, my best friend succumbed to a four-year battle with breast cancer. And so I really felt lost. I really, truly felt lost at that moment. And it was only through uh, surviving uh, all of those different episodes in my life 
that I really came to own this crown as the comeback queen. Yeah, that, that's that's a lot of stuff thrown at you one time there. Um, you could almost be my mother, not to say we're that uh, year that much older than me, but uh, my mom and dad divorced before my first birthday. She remarried and he died unexpectedly suddenly. She went to the hospital to go pick him up and died right in front of her. Uh, oh. The doctor was releasing him and called my mom and said, uh, we don't know how much longer he's got. There's nothing more we can really do. So she, they brought lunch into him while they're waiting to be discharged. And he goes, um, not only thing to eat, I'll eat with my boys when I get home and said, um, but I'll drink some at tea. So he reached mm-hmm. for the tea and then he was gone before you hit the floor, they said. And oh. so, yeah, so you could, you could almost with her, she raised three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got the, Almost the same story. And today is my mother's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. She's 82, still kicking and going uh, from there. Uh, but yeah, she, she's a strong woman like you seem to be a strong woman. And I, I'm, 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 all, I'm all, all believing that uh, when women, single mothers, they're the, they're the strongest people around. You know, mm-hmm. having to raise these, the, the children, to do the right thing, working two jobs, doing everything else to balance everything, keep the credit rating going great so you can get the next thing, to pay for everything, and, and to make sure everything, you know, the kids are all taken care of at school. Oh, uh, I was raised with a single mother, and I have all respects for the single mothers. Well, thank you for saying all that. You know, when I was raising my children uh, before I remarried, uh, People would often ask me, Marsha, how do you do it? How do you do it? And the simple answer is that you deal with what you have on your plate right now. And if you can do that and just keep putting one foot in front of the other and be willing to ask for help, that's something else that I think is so critical. Uh, So many people are reluctant to ask for help or don't know how to ask for help when they really need it. That is true that uh, a lot of people, one, they don't may not know really how to ask because they don't know what they're really looking for, or they're afraid that people are going to look at them. And, and like you said, you do what's on your plate now, but mm-hmm. if I ask for help, then people think I don't have it together. Exactly. Well, that's the concern. That's really what holds a lot of people back from asking, because they think that if I ask for help, somebody's going to think there's something wrong with me, that I'm not together, as you say or that I don't have the intelligence, the competencies, or the skills that I need to have. And that's not true. When you ask for help, people who provide you help, who are there to support you, think more, not less of you. Exactly. Because they know how difficult it is to ask for help. Exactly. Now, one lesson I have from my mom, my mom used to say to me when I was a child, what's the worst they can say? What's the worst someone can say? They could say no. Okay, there's other people you can ask. And uh, James, I have a book. It's called Surviving and Thriving Despite the Drama because as I have uh, aged and look back on my life and all of the challenges that I've worked through, uh, there are some key strategies that are captured in this book. And one of them is all about how to ask for help. And how important that is to us in our lives. So if that's something that's holding you back, please get a copy of my book, Surviving and Thriving Despite the Drama, and help yourself to the strategies that I have in there.
And that uh, book can be found on Amazon and you tell us elsewhere later on in your website. So, Absolutely. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That that's the thing we have that most people they think it's a weakness if you ask for help. And it's a strength. Uh, exactly, because I used to be the old man thing. You know, you don't ask for help because you got to do it yourself. People think you're weak and everything. No, no, no. It takes more to ask for help to get you where you need to than to sit and struggle and be in the uh, mud pit like a pig. Well, and oftentimes when we've gone through some kind of a trauma in our lives, whether it's a death in the family or uh, it could be you know, going through bankruptcy or divorce, oftentimes we think that we're a burden on other people. And we think, you know, or, or people will come and say, just let me know if you want me to help you sometime. But they don't know what help you need. So there's always people in our lives who are more than happy to help us, all we have to do is take the step and ask because there's always someone who can provide what you're looking for. There's one quick story I want to share. Yes. Uh, after my husband passed away, uh, I had a visitation at my home and a lot of people had brought food over. Well, as a new widow, the last thing I was doing was eating. And I had a refrigerator just filled with food, not only my refrigerator, but a neighbor's refrigerator. And so I called a girlfriend of mine who I knew could help me figure out how to re-gift this food to other places so that it didn't go to waste sitting in these two refrigerators. And at that moment in time, that was the one thing I needed to deal with. And again, it's that idea of taking one step at a time. Find someone, I'm sure you can go through your list of your friends and neighbors and you know what their skill sets are and reach out because I'm sure, absolutely positive that someone will say yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I learned a, a hard, humbling lesson with me one time. And uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm in a wheelchair. I got my neck mm -hmm. broke playing football. And um, so um, somebody wanted to do something to help me. I, I used to, to school teach for a while until my health got where I can't do that anymore. But you know, I had these the brothers, sisters in my class and uh, going to church with the family and everything too. So we're getting ready to have our, what they called our eighth grade awards day and a graduation, whatever. And so one of the, the parent of the two children come up and said, said, um, coach, one of your, uh, one of your tires are low in your car. Hey, give me your keys. Let me go uh, get it aired up for you. So it'd be safe. And I'm going, Oh man, I appreciate you looking after me like that. And so, um, he comes back couple hours later and bring them my keys and everything so everything goes on through the day the award ceremony everything and then i go out to leave at the end of the day and i go over and i said i wonder which tire he's talking about because i need to get it looked at and then i looked at one of the tires and i was going wait a minute that's a brand new valve stem on that and then i looked in the front and said, that's a he put brand new tires on my car wow on my car and wow. so I saw him at church and I said, hey, how much owe you for them tires? I said, I said, you said I had a one that just needed air. And then he says, oh, no, no, we we did it for you. And I said, but the, yeah, I need to pay you for it. And then I'll, here's where here's where it comes to me. He says, coach, don't try to take my blessing away from me. And, you know, we're blessed when we're able to help people. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to look for it to come back, even though 
the Bible says it come back tenfold on what we do and everything. But yeah, we don't need to worry about it. If it comes back. It's going to circle around one day. But mm-hmm. yeah, that that really hit me when he says, "Don't try to steal my blessing." That's right. That's right. But at the same time, I want to shift the conversation just a little bit because we've talked about people who are there to help us. There may also be people in our lives who inadvertently are making things more difficult for us. And I can share this. I had a girlfriend of mine who every time I had a conversation with her, it was always negative. She and her husband had some difficulties in their marriage, and it just got to the point that I just didn't want to hear it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm very good friends with my friend, known her since before she and her husband had gotten married. You know, we had children at around the same time, lots of things that we had in common. And yet every time I got off the phone with her, I felt depleted. I felt like all my energy had been just sucked out of me. Mm-hmm. And I decided, made a conscious effort then to minimize how much time I spent with her. And it wasn't that I wasn't, didn't still care for her. It just was, I couldn't deal with and fix her pain. Yes. And so I have a worksheet on my website that I will also give you the the link to, we'll have it in the show notes. Uh, If you go to consult, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-M-E-F.com slash detox, there is a detox your toxic relationships worksheet. And it allows you, what this worksheet does is it allows you to go through and look at the people who are in your environment. And if there are, in fact, some folks who are bringing you down, there are ways you can make decisions to, for the time being, move them out of your life. And the end of the story with my girlfriend is that at some point, she and her husband decided to separate. And when that happened... I moved back in and we became very, very, very close friends again and spoke on a probably daily or we heard several times a week basis after that, because that toxicity that was in her life for so long was gone and we could reestablish our relationship. Yeah. I tell people, you don't have to kick them out forever, but you may have to kick them out temporarily for them to get the message that you're tired of it, or you have a talk with them. Hey, Mm -hmm. I want to be as positive as possible your negativity and, you know, I'm not, yeah, still love them from a distance. Um, mm-hmm. I went to something, uh, not quite that, but uh, was told I had colon cancer. And mm-hmm. one friend that I got, when I called and told him about it, everything was turned towards him <laughs> and, and he's negative. And I said, I had to kick him out of my life while I was dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I said, cause I just didn't need his negativity vibes crashing in on everything that we're trying to do. And um, yeah, so kicked them out for a while, got everything taken care of, and then slowly, like you said, brought him back in some, and yeah, from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, have, have the opening up talk with them too. Yeah, don't just kick them out and let them go, what's going on here? They think they're better than me. Now let them know what's going on, why you're putting them, and then hopefully they will change mm-hmm. when they come back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing um, that I'm thinking about while you're while you're talking about that is um, maintaining our own uh, positive attitude, which is always a challenge when we're going through an emotional, emotionally difficult time. So there's two pieces to that. One is how do we deal with our own emotions? 
And how do we even recognize what we're feeling? Because we don't always know what we're feeling. We might just be overtaken by tears or anger. And we you know, really don't take a moment to step back and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I recommend, and I did this um, through all of the different uh, pieces of the tragedies that have or challenges that I've dealt with in my life is that I journal and I don't journal every day. I'm real honest about that. I tell my clients I don't journal every day, but when you're going through an emotionally difficult time or something's going on, a challenge that you're dealing with in your life, oftentimes that journaling, which is really just a conversation with ourselves, nobody else is going to read your journal. Some things will come to the forefront things we hadn't even thought about. So allowing ourselves to just write and see what comes out, I call it stream of consciousness writing, and let whatever comes come out, helps you identify what's going on inside, help you just just put that down on paper. And that brings a lot of uh, ability then to deal with the emotions. So if you're having those challenging, difficult emotions, work through them because you have to work through the emotion to be able to get past it. And so whatever challenge you're dealing with, whether it's a bankruptcy or it's a job loss or it's a death in the family or an illness that you're dealing with, that emotional piece is critically important to recognize and to help yourself through. Oh, yeah. And it uh, releases, like you were saying, uh, some emotions that you weren't thinking of, where they may be coming from. If you just write and all of a sudden you go, wow, I wasn't consciously thinking of that. But if it, yeah, to recognize, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I'm like you. I don't journal every day. But mm-hmm. uh, when I do, then it's great to come back a year, two years later and see what you went through and how you were able to get through it. And, and um, I, I think we go through some situation, maybe not everything, but uh, – for us to see, to remind ourselves and see how strong we really are mm-hmm. to help pre- better prepare for the next event that's coming. Cause it's coming. I don't care what your life is and how great you think your life is. Something's coming down the pipeline <laughs> and that's because it's life. Well, and, and again, that's why I call myself the comeback queen because I have lived through so many different episodes of challenges and difficulties and the gift that I have right now is the ability to uh, demonstrate and also help other people understand what the gift is that's within that challenge. We may not recognize it right now, but there is always a gift. And so a quick example of that is my uh, current husband's, and, and when you mentioned earlier, I have to go back for a second to the introduction, when you said uh, finding love again and again and again, yes, I'm married for the third time. So. You, you you're go. correct in that. <laughs> <laughs> Happily married almost three years now. And my husband's brother, who's uh, young, 75, and uh, has uh, a lot of abilities and has been motorcycling his entire life, went on another motorcycle trip. And he's done motorcycle group trips around the world. His most recent one was a trip to northern Peru up into the Andes. Uh, in November, and he was supposed to come back before Thanksgiving. Well, my husband got a phone call on a Sunday afternoon at noon saying that his brother had gone around a blind curve and flipped the bike. Hmm. 
that they were, and my husband was, was his brother's emergency contact and they were taking his brother Bill to a local clinic because they were way up in the mountains in the Andes to a town called Wadwi to have him x-rayed to make sure he didn't break any bones. He cleared the x-rays just fine. They put him back in the um, chase vehicle and they were going to take him back to meet the group. He wanted to continue the motorcycle ride. Well, unfortunately, he then suffered a stroke. They took him back to the clinic and it's a very long story and I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Uh, but this event uh, made us understand how important it is. And I want to share this and like we, we can share this link with your listeners as well to really have detailed information if you are someone's emergency contact. Because unfortunately, we did not have Bill's travel insurance information and it delayed his care. He didn't get into the right hospital when they eventually had to move him from the town where he was. They airlifted him to Lima to a large, they were supposed to take him to a large hospital uh, with a neurology department. Instead, that hospital would not take him in because in Peru, it's a pay to play country. So we didn't have his insurance information. Therefore, the, the hospital that had originally said they would take him in because we didn't have the insurance policy number decided they weren't going to take him. So we had to scramble around to find another hospital to take him. He ended up in a community hospital where all they did for two and a half weeks in Peru before we could get him home was stabilize him. And when he finally got back to Ohio, he lives in Columbus, and he had a brain bleed and clots in his lungs and his legs. So he finally made it home, made it to his home, and uh, he still has some deficits, but he was able to get home on January the 31st, and he had left the early in November. Wow, that's some some important information there, yeah, about Mm -hmm. the, because I would have never, I would when I hear your, uh, what's called the the emergency contact, Mm -hmm. when I hear that, to me, it's just, my name is there for them to call and say, Hey, they've been in an accident or they passed away or, you know, I, did, I didn't realize the insurance and all. Wow. That's, that's huge information there. Yeah. And I have put uh, an article in my blog on my website called reading this could save your life. Okay. Yeah. And it has detailed information about what it means to be an emergency contact and what information you should have. That's, so I that's hope that valuable. helps your listeners. Yes, that's valuable right there because mm-hmm. I don't know how many other people would have known that because yeah, when I hear emergency contact, it just for them to contact me just to give me information, not for me to give. I would I would have <laughs> never thought that. I thought it was just me to get. Wow, that's that's huge. Yes, thank you. You're quite welcome. So so from so as I say, from every tragedy, from every emergency, from every challenge that we're faced with, there's always a gift in there. And it's a, it, you know, for Bill, he's going to have challenges in his recovery, in his continued recovery. But for for me to be able to take the information that we learned and share that with so many other people, to me, is a real gift. Yeah, I'm just still thinking about that. That's, that's somewhere along the line, that ought to be explained better to people when they're listing someone as the emergency contact. That they need to have this piece of information to provide in case you're unconscious, mm-hmm. you know, or somebody. And that's never explained to you when they say you got an emergency contact. <laughs> they do. Yes. That's never. So that is huge. Yeah. But I'd like to get that link and we'll definitely put that in. 
Yeah, we, we all just, that. we're all really good at writing down someone's name and their phone number and their relationship. That's what's on every one of those emergency contact forms. Yeah. But it wasn't until this happened that I really recognized how important yes. it is to go further. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I'm like you, we, we dig deep enough, we look hard enough, we can find something, a gift, like you said, that's in whatever we're going through. And mm-hmm. so we just have to hunt for it sometimes. It's not as obvious that it could be in other areas. So, mm-hmm. and I said mm-hmm. this plenty of times. I know y'all are tired of hearing of this people out there, but Martha, uh, Marcia hasn't heard it yet. So, but I tell people, Marcia says sometimes that um, sometimes we have to walk through the fertilizer to be able to smell the rose. And so, um, <laughs> you know, to get to that other, we may have to sometimes and, and go from there. And I'm all, I'm all about, um, we learn from what we've been through and mm-hmm. to make us bigger, stronger and prepare us for the next thing coming. But we should also somehow anyway, and you're being a great example of this, share some way that we're going to be able to help the next person that comes across something uh, so they don't feel, you know, alone, left out, terrified and make it easier on them as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and that's really what my aim is, you know, when I wrote that blog post uh, was to, to help other people see, you know, what, how they can help themselves and help the people that they love. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's valuable. So with that, mm-hmm. so, all right. And so come back queen, let's uh, put your book up here again for the people that are uh, watching here. It's uh, again, go to Amazon and you can find, Surviving and thriving despite the drama. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's that? I forgot who it was. They would say it was a drama, say drama. <laughs> I forgot who it was. So, but uh, all right. Um, Marcia, well, I appreciate you uh, being here. It's about time for us to uh, wrap things up. Uh, you're definitely the comeback queen. You don't have to uh, call it a self-proclaim. I'll proclaim it for you now. And that Thank way you. you can say you have been proclaimed <laughs> the comeback queen to, uh, from there. And, um, yeah, we all go through something, some mm-hmm. people more than others, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, getting in that community of what, uh, let's talk about that for a second. How big of a, uh, we talk about asking for help and everything. How much, how, how, how big do you think that actually having a community has helped to uh, get through things? Uh, not just one person, two people, but somebody might be there now, then they're out of your life forever. You know, everything changes. It, it does. Uh, I happen to live in a smaller uh, city and I don't live in the same town. I know many people do live in the same town as their uh, family. I moved away years ago and I consider my close friends in my community, my family. And we have always been there for each other, no matter what happens. And that's uh, one of the things that I think is really important is, you know, you don't always get to choose. You don't choose your family that you're born into. Mm -hmm. But you do get to choose the family that you want to support you. And again, my friends are my family. There's no question about that. Uh, if I had to rely on my siblings, I would be in uh, big trouble. I understand that. So, yeah, the, you, you got to have a, uh, like to say, a village to raise a child, mm-hmm. a, a community village to also help keep us healthy. 
you know, to be able to express and talk and find out what we need to get through uh, from there. So, all right. Wow. This is a, this is amazing what you've been through, and I'm glad you've conquered it, the comeback queen and everything. And uh, I'm glad that we have met here. And just think, Marcia, in uh, 100 years from now, someone's going to come across this thing on the Internet, and you're going to help somebody else by then. And I so hope it's, so. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Hey, uh, Marcia, go ahead and tell us your uh, website, social medias, how people can find you. And again, other links you will send to me later, and I'll put them in the show notes as well. Okay. My website is consult, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-M-E-F.com. And if you put a slash behind that and detox, you'll get my detox worksheet. And you can also go on my blog and look for the blog called um, Reading This Could Save Your Life. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, you can find me, Marsha E. Friedman, on LinkedIn. All right, good. Thank you. All right, and uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, I, I definitely, when you hit me with the contact information, all right, and now uh, I've definitely got something out of this as well. And, and I, I, enjoy, I really enjoy hearing people's stories, how they've overcome, you know, so it, it gives me that little little gift for today to get me started. So appreciate you being here. Appreciate you sharing your journey uh, with all of us. All right, Marcia, hey, we know there's people that are hurting and struggling. And if you could leave us with a powerful message to help them get through today, that's going to be a blessing. The message that I have is that every day there are gifts for us. And that even if you're struggling today, look, take a look around you and look at the small things that you can appreciate whether it's a hot cup of coffee or it's a hug from your child or grandchild or it's uh, a, a flower that you find in the garden that's come up after all the snow has gone. All those small things that are in our lives are there to help us make a difference and to bring us hope. Even if we're struggling right now, there will be a better day to come. Amen, sister. And everybody else, hey, share this out. Someone you need, need some information, especially the contact information uh, to help out uh, from there. Everyone else, hey, I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.